Tuesday, August 17th, day three, part B. 8.45 a.m. I woke up this morning thinking, oh, hell, I'm doing this thing and I have to feel sexy today. So I reminded myself that I don't have to feel sexy today or even flirt with anyone that I don't want to, but I can facilitate being open to the opportunities for connection as the day unfolds and just trying to look at things through a different lens. There is most definitely no perfect way to do all of this. Mm, All right, no text messages from anyone waiting for me this morning. Damn it. Oh, I really just want to escape into another summer romance novel. I got shit to do. I have some speaking opportunities to follow up on, which is awesome. This challenge to keep fleshing out and writing on, my weekly podcast recording to prepare for, and a new media kit to put together to email some casting dude through Instagram. Oh, I stand corrected. I did receive a message from a guy. A guy I went on a date with several years ago, who was also a member of the Sex Positive San Diego group that I helped run for a few years. He messaged me through the Hinge dating app just to say hi and see how things were doing. As I recall, he was interesting and we had, I think, a good first kiss. Although maybe that's not a good sign if I can't remember that clearly or not. I don't know. I know I didn't feel a romantic connection with him for anything more. Should I open up flirting with him some now because of this week? Eh, he's a musician, so I I want to at least ask how that's going and if he's playing live in-person gigs because the fucking Delta variant of COVID has us in another dizzying time period of uncertainty. I would genuinely love to come out and see him play somewhere. So that's an easy opening and not being quote-unquote inappropriate with my forwardness with someone who I'm not romantically interested in and I'm therefore afraid of leading on. And he initiated anyway by saying hi, which I do appreciate. 10.55 a.m. Might I just want a hookup partner right now? That just hasn't worked out for me in terms of how I'm wired in the past. And that casual sex isn't that pleasurable. Okay, so why is this the case for me? If I was to have an ongoing sexual hookup partner right now, what would I need for that to be fulfilling and interesting beyond the first hookup. Well, first, I need intellectual connection. I'm totally a sapiosexual. Two, I need to feel attracted enough to them. Three, we have to have good chemistry, which is totally unpredictable. Four, I have to feel safe and trust them to honor consent and be good communicator and not make assumptions. Five, They have to be willing to have ongoing sexual health conversations and concerns and get tested and practice safer sex, both because of disease prevention and also because I'm not on the pill. I stopped that at age 29 and haven't and won't go back. It unfortunately did not feel good to me. I love and appreciate that women have it as an option to prevent unwanted pregnancy because, Jesus, we need options, technology, politics on our side for our overall reproductive health. But that one option didn't feel particularly good to my mind and body, unfortunately. Or at least not the version we had 20 years ago. Okay, what else would I need in order to have an ongoing sexual hookup partner right now in a way that I would feel was fulfilling and interesting? Six, I would need an emotional connection. That last one is why casual sexual encounters, even when the rest of the criteria is met, is not a good fit for how I'm wired for sexual encounters. 
It's the emotional piece that provides the foundation for the sexual piece to be interested in exploring and creating together. And frankly, if I can create a situation that meets all of these factors, I'm going to want to actually date the guy, which then defeats the purpose of trying to have a casual sex partner with no expectations or strings attached. I guess another relevant piece is that I don't want sexual intercourse with a guy who's sleeping with anyone else at the same time. And this feels so old-fashioned and somewhat embarrassing to say. Now, I was raised Catholic, but now I identify as an atheist who's somewhat spiritual but with heavy critical thinking skills. There is little I feel shame about when it comes to sex at this point. And I don't judge others for their consensual sexual choices, even if they aren't my interest. I don't yuck someone else's yum. But this old-fashioned like to feel special and chosen peace, it's a tough one to move past. I'm not wired for polyamory or consensual non-monogamy, at least not at the beginning of a connection with somebody. And you know what? I don't think I need to move past it because it's a totally valid way to want to be sexual with someone and connect at a deeper, special, emotional level. (laughs) However, I am definitely game for eh, three to five years down the road when my desire and the sexual excitement has long since waned that we could play with the idea of sex parties, clubs, nude resorts, etc. to bring some new spark in. But in the beginning, no. I've tried it in the past. It does not fulfill me and provide me with what I'm looking for in a committed relationship. I wish my desires worked differently, but me pretending or wanting them to be otherwise is not true to me. And this week is definitely about digging deeper into what's true for me and what best feeds my well-being and happiness. 12.04 p.m. I called my ex-boyfriend, who's also one of my closest friends, to see how his weekend away in the mountains went with his girlfriend, who I'm also friends with. And I'm really happy with the fact that they're dating because I actually think they're a really good match for each other. I definitely did not bring any sexual energy to my phone call with him. And I haven't brought sexual energy to any of our interactions in the many years since we broke up. Because it was over, and we both sincerely wanted to work on cultivating a deep, lasting friendship. And, like, that sexual energy ship sailed long, long ago, and I waved it farewell as we moved into a more sustainable relationship based in friendship and companionship. It makes me sad that folks can spend so many years loving and building a life with someone, and then you break up or divorce, and you're supposed to hate that person or have no contact with them, which I totally get. They cheated on you, betrayed you, were acting really emotionally immature, manipulated you, abused you, of course— It's not healthy for you to have that person in your life. But otherwise, you clearly meant a lot to each other at one point. I wish we had a model for people of how to do this responsibly and honestly. Intentional relationships and intentional and conscious breakups. And I get it. It was difficult. When my ex and I broke up and continued to work hard to maintain our friendship, we repeatedly heard, oh my God, you two are so mature. It takes a lot of mindfulness and a lot of honest, sometimes uncomfortable communication. But I feel like I need to do a quick PSA for you folks out there listening who are in monogamous relationships who maintain contact with your exes behind your current partner's back and do have or bring a sexual charge to it or the other person is bringing that sexual charge, which feels exciting to you. Stop it. That shit is not healthy or fair. And it is a betrayal to your current partner. It's not trivial. And it's not okay. Be honest with yourself why you're doing stuff like this. 
And if you're choosing to stay in your relationship, then be mindful to make new choices that are respectful to your partner. I think this is a big problem in today's technology-driven, nobody-ever-disappears-from-our-lives life. Okay, PSA over. I chatted with my ex about his weekend, what activities they did, and then we started brainstorming on what, where we might be able to fly together for a trip because he has companion passes through his airline to use up, and his girlfriend, unfortunately, doesn't have the flexibility to get away for longer trips right now. We traveled well when we were dating and still occasionally travel together with his companion passes because I fly for free. Yay! I immediately pulled out a map of the national parks on my laptop and asked where he hasn't been and wants to go. So our first choice is Glacier National Park, maybe driving up to Banff in Canada. Because I think Canada is now open to Americans in COVID times. I'm actually not sure. I need to look that up. We got off the phone and I kept reading about Glacier, where to fly, lodging, things to do, what traveling there in October is like. Okay, and the reason... I'm sharing all of these details with you, is that I realized that research for potential upcoming trips to new locations, particularly beautiful and exciting ones, it has a similar feel to sexual energy for me. I feel open, joyous, hopeful, excited. I have anticipation. It feels like a physical, mental, emotional, and social buzz to me. Maybe even a little spiritual Excitement when I think about the anticipation of hiking through beautiful mountain and lake terrains with a bit of meditation and journaling and good conversation along the way. It's not sexual and that I don't feel horny, but the overlap in sensations otherwise is interesting. I've been drinking some really good tea, Positive Energy by Yogi Tea, and I could feel how the caffeine has kicked in. Henry wrote back about our porn discussion and shared a bit about his preferences. He referenced one of my videos where I was demonstrating a pair of Velcro wrist cuffs and how they are ideal for folks who are trying out light bondage for the first time. He inquired, the soft wrist cuff video, were you plugging them and getting paid as a promo? Or you genuinely liked them enough to throw on a video? And then there was no question mark at the end, which actually made me wonder if millennials and those younger find using question marks too vulnerable. But I digress again because of my obsession with studying generational differences. So I consciously decided to be a bit more open with him. In person with a drink or two in hand, I'll tell someone I'm enjoying time with almost anything about my sexual interests and experiences, if they're interested. But in text? Uh, no. Too much anonymity, not enough personal connection. But let's try this a bit. I realize there's probably nothing I'm telling him that I haven't talked about in my sex talk with Clint in the Doc podcast already anyway, so here we go. LOL. I don't do it much anymore, but sometimes companies would send free sex toys and such and ask for a review online. That's what the cuffs were about. Although I do enjoy playing with submission with a man who knows what he's doing, or is at least confident enough and a bit researched on it to know how to fake it. It's funny, though, but... Overall, I'm actually pretty vanilla compared to a lot of folks in my field. Like when a boyfriend's being dominant and I'm being submissive, which I do like. I'm not that good at being submissive. I'm like a high-maintenance sub. Like the dude says, get on the bed and lie face down with your arms over your head. And I'm like, uh, yeah, but you know my shoulders have been screwed up with softball and volleyball injuries, so can I just keep them down by my side? Yeah, let's just say all the chatter isn't particularly sexy for either one of us. 
1.51 p.m. I actually feel like masturbating again today, which I say that way because in my late 40s, I rarely feel that urge two days in a row. Only occasionally when I'm ovulating or right before my period. I most definitely still feel it when I've just started with a new sexual partner. Oh, yes. When I'm with a new guy and I'm so turned on but away from him, I definitely want to masturbate a lot more. Oh, and I did also feel this way back at the end of March when some lovely new friends bought me that womanizer vibrator to try after I give a fun sex talk to their organization. I knew of the womanizer and I've even recommended it to women to try based on its positive reviews and unique design features, but hadn't tried it myself yet. When I got back home a few days later from that speaking trip, I immediately tried it on my vulva. And it was was an odd feeling on my clitoris and lips. Like I said before, not pleasurable really, and actually uncomfortable or painful at times. And I didn't mention this before, and this is kind of odd. One of the times I tried it on my clit, it made me ejaculate in under a minute. And it didn't feel good. There's no orgasm, no deep, incredible release feeling, just messiness for no good reason because there was no pleasure attached to it. I don't actually know what the hell was going on. Maybe I was peeing, but I don't think so because it felt different. I do ejaculate sometimes after I've been turned on for a while and there has been a buildup of deep, heavy fingering. And the meatier the fingers, the better. And it feels like I'm building up and building up inside, but not the build up like an orgasm from clitoral stimulation. It's a totally different experience. It's deep and rough. And when the ejaculation comes, it's not accompanied by anything that feels like an orgasm, but like this deep release and pushing kind of. I sometimes shake afterwards and I feel really, really raw and open and vulnerable. And I just want to be held and cocooned by my partner. It is intense. So as you can tell, that is not what it feels like after 45 seconds with the womanizer on my clit. But I still don't think I was peeing. Anyway, like I said, though, oh my God, when I tried it on my nipples instead, damn, I mean, damn, it was good. And that had me masturbating a few times that first week of womanizer ownership. I think that was the point of my story here. (laughs) 2.14 p.m. I just looked in the mirror with only panties on and I thought, I look good. I do realize that I don't have my contacts in, so all my quote-unquote imperfections kind of have a fuzziness to them and my overall body shape and size. But that actually is a really good reminder because when I look at someone else's body, I take in the whole picture. I'm not focusing on one or two quote-unquote imperfections or flaws on them. And I could probably assume others view me the same way. It's a nice reminder to look at and appreciate the big picture of my body. And although the term healthy tan is probably not that healthy to my skin overall, with that and my blonde highlights and a genuine happy smile, it does make me look like I've been enjoying beach living this summer, which I have been tremendously enjoying. But you know, one week ago, looking in the same mirror, I literally thought, I look like shit. And that, my friends, is compliments of the shittiness of PMS during perimenopause. Well, always during PMS. But for me, it's been getting worse during perimenopause specifically. This is definitely a big player in why I don't feel so sexy right now at 48. My negative self-talk is getting some brutal.
total support from hormonal shifts. Okay, so I really got to get back to my self-coaching practices around this, like making a list of 20 things I love and or appreciate about my body and its strengths. And every time I have an unhelpful thought or feel like I'm getting pulled down the spiral of negative body image beliefs, I intentionally go to the list and reflect on one or more items and, and cultivate that feeling of gratitude and warmth for myself and feel it in my chest. And I want to keep remembering that I only have one body and being at war with my one body is really an unproductive, unhappy, and unnecessary way to move through my life. So let's be friends, my body friend. 2.40 p.m. Just recorded my podcast with Clint August, Sex Talk with Clint and the Doc. I wasn't really aware of my sexual energy on the show. and It's kind of an odd context for it. Because my open sexual energy makes me share more personal things and have more fun on the show. But I'm also talking to a married man, and I don't want my energy or any flirtiness to land in his lap, so to speak. On the show today, we talked about why he still hasn't bought a cock ring, even though I told him about it at least a year ago as a simple and inexpensive tool to help with the softer erections he's been experiencing with aging and prostate concerns. Seriously, dudes, cock rings are fantastic. Okay, so here's my cock ring PSA today. Choose one that has some flexibility, but not too much. You put it on when your penis is still flaccid, and you put it around both the base of your penis and your testicles. That's how it holds blood flow in your penis for harder erections. Woohoo! Cock ring! 5.35 p.m. Whenever I'm talking to any of my friends this week, I'm telling them about my seven-day challenge and asking for feedback on things that I'm working on. So on the phone, I just asked my good friend Rob, who we briefly dated about six years ago, about why or how he thought I could be perceived by men as sexy, even when I don't feel sexy or sexual at all. He said, and I quote, Your comfort with any topic and how you look makes me want to see you naked. You're a strong-minded person, intelligent, well-spoken, insightful, compassionate, and know things that most men don't know about. I could see how it's intimidating to men but I'm not one of those people. Some find you wildly attractive, and a lot of others don't know what to do with you. After I heard his rather lovely response, and clearly Rob really excels at giving words of affirmation, it occurred to me that maybe I shouldn't have asked him a question like this since we used to date. "Mm, Is it okay that I asked you this question? I inquired. Of course, why wouldn't it be? He replied. Because... I don't want to be inappropriate with my sexual energy, I said. He replied, this is beautiful. It's amazing. It's like we're flirting and workshopping something at the same time. Hearing this from him was really helpful. We were being playful, expressing or making visible our erotic energy or interest or desire without any expectations. It was authentic flirting from a genuine place of enjoyment and appreciation of the other person. It was fun and connecting and nothing more. I appreciate that kind of flirting freedom. On a different note, this reminded me of something I learned long ago about the perceived sexiness of women. It is exactly that, perceived by others. It's often a projection, in the case of heterosexual men, of their sexual interest or desire, regardless of whether the female feels sexy, wants to be sexual, wants to be sexual with them, or even enjoys sexual pleasure. You know what? Sexiness is kind of bullshit. 
and that it's not about embodied traits or feelings or thoughts of the woman, but based on men deciding who is sexy and who is not, based on their own perceptions and values and trainings. <laughs> you know, about 15 years ago, I was interviewed for the first time by San Diego Magazine about the topic of sexy women and their sexy attire in downtown San Diego. In the phone interview, I went all sociologist on their ass and voiced what I just said here and about how I've talked to men who have brought women who are models back to their places and had sex, but said the sex wasn't that good because the woman wasn't engaged much or didn't seem to be enjoying it that much. And I said to the reporter, yes, just because a woman is deemed sexy by a man doesn't mean she feels sexual. So let's just say when that article came out, I was quoted zero times. No reference to me and my insights. I told you, us sociologists are professional buzzkills. 6.45 p.m. I'm eating my dinner on my comfy and expansive red sofa, which was a fantastic late 2020 COVID purchase after sitting on my old stained losing its cushioning sofa for eight months straight. I just clicked into Firefly Lane on Netflix. I haven't watched it in about a week and certainly not since I started this unexpected seven-day adventure. So the woman I'm using as my sexual archetype this week is Tully Hart, portrayed by Katherine Heigl. So I want to see more of what makes Tully tick. And while she is a woman with many cringeworthy and unhealthy patterns, who is she at her best when she's shining from her head, her heart, and her vulva? She's present, fun, grounded, spontaneous, unabashedly flirty, and kind, unless someone's acting like an ass. I mean, she's far from perfect and not who I really want to be overall as a woman. But she embodies a sexual openness and flirtation that I want to play with more. To feel more comfortable and confident playing with my sexual energy. And there's a sensuality to her I want to play with also. 7.40 p.m. I was just chatting with a friend for a few minutes when he shared with me about last night, how he was having phone sex with a new woman he's dating while they were both masturbating and how she ended up dropping her vibrator and had to crawl on the floor in the dark to find it. I could tell he was excited to have someone to tell this funny, sexy story to. It was really sweet. And as I got off the phone, I thought, I'm so glad I'm the friend people can be comfortable enough to share these funny and sexy stories with. 9.46 p.m. I just Zoomed for two hours with a colleague in another city who I'll call Ben. We started doing this every couple of months during COVID as a way to stay sharp in current sociosexual topics and also as a supportive connection, which I really needed with people like this during the pandemic. Plus, Ben is perfect to be able to pick his brain professionally and personally on sexual energy and flirting. So I shared about my article on male sexual energy in the workplace, the one triggered by Governor Andrew Cuomo's sexual harassment charges, and how I said that maybe men should intentionally and mindfully shut down their sexual energy in the workplace. He believes that you can have responsible sexual energy in the workplace. You can be in your embodied erotic energy, which can help cultivate your creativity and vital life force, but also contain it so that others don't have to deal with it or have it imposed on them. I think I mostly agree with this, although we both agreed that almost no men have training on this, 
or even know that it's possible to be aware of and regulate their sexual energy in a responsible way. I told him how I had been envisioning sun shining out of my vagina and sending that warmth and openness into the world. He chuckled and immediately grabbed his phone to text me an animated image. Within 30 seconds, I was looking at a cartoon-type woman who was upright and flying in the air, shooting a beam of light from her vagina. It was both ridiculous and perfect. He was encouraging me to flirt with everyone and let loose and enjoy. But I noticed that I felt a fear response to this inside of me. I felt it in my chest and in my solar plexus and even down to my abdomen. Like fear, anxiety, tightening. I shared all of this with him. He immediately validated my concern and response and encouraged me to explore what flirting would look like if it was safe. No obligations. No feeling of responsibility for the other person's interpretations. And I said, but I'm so tired of not being listened to and having to say no again and again. And then I get angry, having to keep putting up boundaries and keep saying no. He replied, maybe it's a skill set you want to work on to learn how to navigate it differently, to be more forward and choose it. I have done that, I reply. It gets tiring. He suggested an example based on what I shared about Henry Knox at the bar on Sunday. Could you have said, I love whispering with you right now and touching the tattoo on your upper leg and I'm not going to have sex with you? Hmm. Okay. I do like this idea of eroticizing my communication of boundaries. Still though, I think that would be confusing to so many men. And if I did exactly that on Sunday, I am sure that he would have said, I didn't say I want to have sex with you. And if I did encourage him to stay and not fly back with his friends, and we did start hooking up, he wouldn't really believe my boundaries because he would be able to tell I was turned on and assume that I just needed to be seduced and convinced. Because, as the research points out, men tend to assume that if they are turned on, the other person is turned on, and the other person wants the same thing they want. So, Ben, still trying to help me find a way to approach this through my own words and energy, suggested I could say... This is fun and interesting and you're sexy and I'm really enjoying you. But I'm not available for a fling or a one night stand. But if you're interested in putting some time into this and getting to know each other better, then let's hang out because I think there could be something sexually fun here. That's interesting to reflect on. I mean, it does beg the question, would I actually want to spend time and energy getting to know a man 20 years my junior? (laughs) Not likely. But... I like considering this as a possible approach. Being more playful and eroticizing my boundaries. (laughs) Well, once again today, I was definitely flirting and workshopping at the same time. 